This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. Rahil Jamalifard is probably best known for fronting the garage rock band Habibi. It fuses musical influences from her own Iranian heritage with a range of other styles, including surf rock and psychedelic. That fusion is also present in her new debut solo album. It's called Flowers at Your Feet. One of the songs on the record features Beck. Rahil spoke with KEXP's Isabel Khalili about embracing her heritage and honoring the influence of her family on this record. The themes of memories and childhood come up in the record, and there are at least a couple songs that are directly dedicated to family members of yours. What role has your family played in your artistic life, and why did it feel important to honor them in this more public way? I think for me, it's like family, like even just culturally where I'm from, it's like very ever present to like be connected. And so I think it just was like, because it's always like been so helpful in understanding my identity as like a first generation Iranian American to like know where I'm from, to like also emphasize how important that influence was. And Iran in general, historically is so like rich in their art. And it's like just like intertwined in their culture. And so a lot of my uncles and aunts are all have like different artistic practices. Like my my grandfather also like, you know, he knew all of Hafiz by heart, like a Iranian poet. So it's like I, I think that I owe a lot of a lot of my practice to my roots. And so this is my way of like honoring that, you know. You really draw on your personal memories and like even include pieces of audio from home videos. Like, what was it like going through those old home videos and what did it mean for you to include them and preserve them in this form? I've always like collected like that weird like sonic ephemeral or like visual ephemera and like I just keep it with me. So, you know, like all these little sounds and like voice memos and voicemails and like the old VHS that I digitize, like they replay in my mind constantly. In Ode to Dad, for example, my father's like a car dealer, right? So he goes to all these auto auctions (laughs) in the Midwest. And every time he calls me, he's always, I hear like an auctioneer basically. So people, it's so funny because a few people who've listened to it, they're like, what is, is that a foreign language? <laughs> I could tell it was an auctioneer because of that very like specific tone that they have. But I was like, I wonder totally. how that relates to, to your dad. Exactly. How, how strange. But it's literally when my dad calls me, he leaves me like the, he'll like forget to turn off his phone. Classic dad move. And that's Classic. that's just that's literally just the noise of like a voicemail because it's so funny and meaningful to me because I hear that like it's I'm so used to that noise that I want the audience to hear what what are familiar sounds to me, you know. In the press release or the materials around the album, it says that it prompts the listener to construct their very own memory palace as well. Were there any like specific memories that came to life for you while making the album? 
Yeah, like especially I smile for E. Uh, that's a song about like my late aunt. My dad's sister was like super important and a big deal in my life. When I'd go back to Iran alone, I would stay at her house. Like she felt like a like a second mom to me, basically. When I was writing this song dedicated to her, it was kind of like revisiting this. I never got to say goodbye. So that was sort of a special reconnection because I was in denial through like her cancer treatment. Like it was hard for me to process that she, you know, she was like sick. And and so I never really felt like I got to say goodbye and like listening to her voice, like she would send me voice memos and that's what you hear. It's like a sample of her singing because she loved to sing. And she would send me the songs that she knew I love, like old, you know, classic Iranian songs. And so that was like, that brought up a lot of like feelings for me, like a lot of emotions. And not having that closure, not saying goodbye is hard, although I'm sure it never feels like there is closure in these situations, but Did you have, yeah, like specific traditions or practices around grieving or death that have been healing for you? Or has the music been that for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that's like one reason why I love music so much. I think it is such a healing force, you know, and it's so there for you as a companion when like nothing else really is helpful. So being able to like write, you know, this like love letter to her kind of felt like it was being able to let go of some of that pain. And, you know, she passed away like over five years ago now, but it's like, again, it was really hard for me to process it. I never really, I never really fully did. I never, I I never really like actually agreed that, oh, she's passed on, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Especially with that physical distance. Um, Right. Yeah, it's a strange, it's a strange thing, but I think art, art is one of those ways that we can at least try to make sense of it and come to a place of peace. Yeah, and, and that's the whole thing is that, like, I want the listener to, like, like understand or, like, be able to reflect on their own personal experience because, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we all are doing. No one to laugh till morning It's been five years of mourning The quiet house feels empty since you've gone Lost and hurting, I feel the pages turning The rock that kept them going for so long
you've talked about this, but I know your parents immigrated from Iran and you've really celebrated that heritage in your music with both Habibi and this new solo work. Was it always like that for you growing up? Like, did you always feel like you could be vocal and proud about your heritage? Yeah, I had like, I really give a lot of credit to K through second grade. Basically, I had this like, we lived in university housing. So it was kind of like just for like a bunch of foreigners with children. And so at our school, we had like International Day where people like celebrated where they're from. I really think it shaped for me like that, like, oh, you know, I was eating at my like Malaysian friend's house for like dinner. And then I was hanging out with my Egyptian like two best friends. And then I was like going over to like, you know, I had like friends who were like from international. And so everywhere you went, it was like, this is what we do. This is what we eat. This is how we dress. And then I went straight to like the suburbs and then it was like the first day on the playground, I was like asked where I was from because like I definitely gave off different. And then from that day forward, this is like second grade being like kind of forced into being woke. (laughs) But I was like, I was so proud. I was like, hell yeah, I am totally different. And so I think like I was lucky to have that background because my brother and sister who were younger than me, they like went through K through 12 in the suburbs. And so they were like so much less able to like embrace that fully. But I was like, I made it my job to be like, I'm different. I'm celebrating. Oh, like, you know, and like, I kind of like, you know, there was like a girl who wore a hijab. I used, I, I would wear a hijab to like when they would bully her. I was like, oh, try bullying both of us now. You know what I mean? So I kind of went like OD with it, but it was because of this, like, it was like, even as a, whatever age you are in second grade, it was like so apparent to me that these people were like stifling individuality, you know? And I think that's really what has always fired this like necessary thing for me to celebrate my differences. Wow. You sounded yeah. like a very wise seven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I think it was, I really credit it to the fact that it was real. like my, some of my favorite years were when we were like not well off and like living four people in a one bedroom with a bunch of other families that were the same, but like everybody was, it was so freaking united under the common denominator that we're all foreigners, but like everybody is accepting of each other. And that was That was truly like harmonious, you know? And so I think I just, I carried that with me and then I felt the the necessary need to defend it, you know? Yeah, and it's great that you did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Will you ride for me or ride for you? So you incorporate a lot of styles on the record, like surf rock is one of them. And I think you mentioned this in a KEXP interview actually in the past, that the man who's credited with creating surf rock, Dick Dale, was Lebanese American. When did you find that out or like what did it mean to you when you found out about that history? I mean, I found that out when I was so immersed in uh, surf rock, but I noticed that the pentatonic scale or like the minor scale that they use is so similar. When you hear like Miserlou, you're like, oh, I could belly dance to this or something, you know?
So it's like, when I found that out, I was like, hell yeah. I was like above the, like the moon and stars and clouds. I was like, this isn't like, you know, the like surf, like blonde surf man from LA's band. Like this is like a Lebanese immigrant like sound that he's incorporating. Yeah, it kind of felt like an imposter. But then also to be in like a, like playing surf rock in Habibi, it just felt like, oh, I have no business here. But then when I found that out, I was like, I do not only belong here, I created this, you know what I mean? So I was just like extremely proud of that fact. I thought that was so, so cool. That is very cool. And you can really hear that, like one of my favorite songs on this record, the one that I immediately played twice was the one right in the middle called Gone Astray. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's got mm-hmm. just that great beat and like this hip hop inspired way of sampling, but you can really hear the influence of of Persian classical. like trip hoppy but I wanted it to be like I love you know how like the old classic hip-hop records a lot of them sample Middle Eastern records and so I wanted to kind of ultimately do something similar to that let me ask you one more question about the first song on the album. So the first song is called Healing, and in the press materials, again, it it describes that the album has you ultimately arriving at a state of quiet grace and self-love. What do you feel helped you heal and arrive at this place of self-love? Well, I think that, like, as I said, I was pretty outspoken as a kid, and I was, like, really, like, aware of... um, of who I was and identity. And I thought like, you know, I had to kind of always be like flexed because Mm -hmm. of it, you know, just because of what I believed in and what I stood for and like just, you know, whatever I I met, I was met with whatever friction. And then as you grow older and like just always, even now, you know, there's things that make you second guess yourself. I feel like, you know, I've always believed in intuition and just the power of like self self knowing and 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 trusting yourself and it took a long time to finally without second guessing to trust it. And I feel like this process was like such a such a championing of it, this pro- this writing process, because I spoke really direct, I spoke really personal and vulnerable, and I feel like I really wanted to just be me and authentically be me and find people I could work with who would who could celebrate that without asking for a compromise. And that really feels like, it feels so empowering, you know, to know that y- you are trusted. And then it just like, it just also like informs yourself, you know? And so I think that it's been a real experience of of arriving to that. So to go out, is there a specific song you'll want us to play for our listeners? And you want to tell us a little bit about that song that you choose? I mean, I think ending on that note and and how... Um, 
that self-acceptance and like that healing, I guess it would be healing, which Mm -hmm. is the first song on the album. But I think that it's like just like the it was meant to be like as much an intro as it is an outro of a song. It's really Mm -hmm. it's quick. It's underneath two minutes, but it's also like me, my mom and my sister, all like the voices of like my childhood. And it's just like very emotionally evoking because it feels like far away but really close at the same time and i i like that i like how it i like how i feel when i listen to it you know and i would hope that it has that same effect and it resonates in that same way as an outro or intro you know but as an outro i think that it's like a way to you know reflect on everything we just spoke about um you know it's a great choice perfect Thank you, and thanks for speaking with me today, Rahil. It's been really great. And days pass real easy. I've been trotting but feeling nothing to worry. It's passing, it's passing. Felt something open like flowers in springtime. It's raining, I'm soaking long showers for hours. It's healthy. Mom said she told me I'm old now, I know it I'm growing, I'm growing And days pass real easy And days pass real easy What's the matter with you? You're not feeling good, right? You have a fever? Your head is on the way, huh?